BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasaba, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show as I speak. It's Thursday, June 17, 2021. The headlines in the paper, very apropos to the conversation I'm about to have from my beloved Bright One, home delivered every day, the Chicago Sun-Times headline, and I will now quote dramatic reading of a Sun-Times headline. <clears throat> Board of Education on verge of going from selected to elected. Under bill awaiting governor's signature, Chicago would go from seven-member board picked by mayor to 21-seat body fully chosen by voters in 27. The sobbing you heard is the editorial board of the Chicago Sun weeping, sometimes weeping. <laughs> Come on, editorial board. You know I love you sometimes, but that was one of the worst editorials I've ever read that wasn't in the Chicago Tribune. All right. Without further ado, my guest will now introduce himself. He knows a little, a bit, a little something about elected school boards in this bill. Distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Well, Ben, uh, my name is Senator Rob Martwick from the 10th District on the northwest side of the city of Chicago. And for the last six and a half years, it has been my mission to pass an elected school board for the Chicago Public Schools. Well, yes, indeed, Rob. Thanks for coming on. Just, folks, if you hear noises in the background, uh, Rob is somewhere in downtown Chicago doing this interview on the street. It's the first time ever for the Ben Jarofsky Show that in, on the banks of the Chicago River, I think he is. Uh, so if you hear a tugboat going by, it's just background noise. Yes, Rob Markwick. That's right. Um, it seems like for seven years, you and I have been having conversations about an elected school board, the machinations of various mayors to block it. Sometimes it passes the House. Sometimes it passes the Senate. Sometimes it dies in the House. Sometimes it dies in the Senate. So why don't you explain exactly what went down yesterday and how close to reality is an elected school board, an official elected school board in the city of Chicago.
and the bill passed the Senate and it went back to the House. And yesterday was what we call a vote on concurrence. So once it's passed one chamber and it's amended in the second chamber, it goes back to that first chamber on a concurrence motion. They can no longer change the bill. They can either say yes or no. And so in that moment, the vote was, shall we finally, for the first time in a decade, send a bill to the governor's desk that would provide for an elected representative school board for the Chicago Public Schools? And the Illinois House of Representatives voted 70 to 41 to send that bill to the governor's desk. And what will happen is we will have a fully elected school board in the Chicago Public Schools. Wow. Okay. Uh, they, as I said, he's on the street, folks, so let's just let that ambulance or fire truck or whatever it is. I think it's actually uh, the mayor sent out the police looking for Rob Martwick uh, to throw him in jail. Uh, just kidding, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, a little uh, humor there. Uh, all right. Uh, so, yes, it, quote, unquote, passed the House and passed the Senate, but to be an official bill, it has to be, uh, to be a law, it has to be signed by the governor. The governor has said uh, that he will sign it. However, the papers are also filled with stories about trailer bills, and uh, Rob has been very good to, in the past, explain what a trailer bill is. Rob, explain what the trailer bill is on this particular issue. bill, right? Or they might have made an error in the drafting. Um, we will address that in trailer legislation. She's also brought up what I think are legitimate issues, and we will address those as well, such as um, how do we limit even more than what my structure did when I drafted the bill? How do we limit the influence of outside money or even potentially a limit eliminate the influence of outside money over the course of elections, perhaps through something like a public financing option for elections. Well, that would be great, but that's a pretty profound change. That's not going to be done in a trailer bill. That's going to be done in separate, distinct legislation that addresses those issues. So we're going to sit down with the mayor in good faith and talk about things that will make the school board more effective. Why? Why? Because I'm a resident of the city of Chicago, and I'm also the parent of a CPS student. And I want to make sure that those schools are working the best for everyone. Every resident of the city of Chicago, every student of the city of Chicago. And so we will definitely continue to work with the mayor, despite the fact that she hasn't been a very collaborative partner throughout this whole process. Well, talk about that before we get into specifics. She's not been a very collaborative partner throughout the process. Be a little more specific, Rob.
That's not collaborative. That is, she, she tried to derail the process. Um, she was not successful. And, you know, it, it would be easy enough to say, look, we're not going to engage with you. But again, it's not about a personal fight with the mayor of the city of Chicago. It's about doing what's best for the Chicago public schools, the children that they serve, the families of those children, and every resident of the city of Chicago, because everyone is affected by the performance of the schools. So, of course, despite the fact that she didn't engage in good faith, we will, and, and we will sit down and we will work out those concerns with them. Is it safe to say that the bill got as far as it did without any input from the mayor in terms of changes to accommodate her uh, or negotiations with her? would I do that? And nonetheless, we did, right? Because those concerns were legitimate, right? There is definitely a risk that if you translate or if you transfer immediately from a fully appointed board to a fully elected board, that there could be some some unrest due to the sudden change in power, right? So, so we did compromise with it. Now, is it the compromise that she wanted? Absolutely not. She did not want a fully elected school board until 2032. <laughs> so we have a fully elected school board in 2026. Now, let, let's be fair, right? The, the people who I support, the, the advocates for a fully elected school board, want a fully elected school board now. She wanted one in, in 2032. It wound up in 2026. Well, that's closer to our position than hers. But again, if you recognize the fact that I have all the votes and she has none, I would suggest that while the compromise wasn't nearly what she wanted, it was far more than she deserved. By the way, uh, Rob will be joining uh, Maya and myself, uh, Maya Dukmasafa, uh, and uh, State Represent Representative Deli Ramirez and Rod Wilson uh, at the hideout on July 6th to talk about this in greater detail. And the reason I mention this, not only to promote the event, urge everybody to get a ticket, come out and support the hideout, uh, and learn something about uh, the elected, elected school board. But to also, one of the people that will be on the panel with us is a person who's opposed to the current bill because it's not immediate. That's just the point Rob was making. Uh, it's not immediately turning an appointed school board into an elected school board. So he'll be articulating his worldview on this one, and Rob and Delia will be our, expressing their beliefs. Um, so I just have to say that, Rob, just to point out once again something that you have told me many times that you represented a coalition of citizens throughout the city of Chicago. And it wasn't just the Rob Markwick bill or the Delia Ramirez bill. You eventually always had to go back to a coalition of people who had strong opinions. And sometimes, apparently, you were bringing them news they did not want to hear. Am I correct in that, my assessment of what went down?
Transportation, Brighton Park Neighborhood Coalition, Logan Square Neighborhood Association, Kenwood Oakland Community Organization, and I'm not done. My point is, is that the, this was a citizen-led movement to bring democracy to the public schools. And, and Rod Wilson is a champion. I have nothing but the greatest respect for him. In the end, Rod said, and I respect his opinion because it's an opinion I share, which is, hey, we're entitled to democracy right now. Not in time, not when you think we should get it, but right now. And he's right then. But that's, that's democracy is that you don't always get what you want. It, you don't always get what you're entitled to. You get what you can get. And so where Rod and I diverged was I thought that this was the best outcome. He did not. Uh, that does not change my respect or my love for that man. That guy's a great guy. And I'm so proud to have worked with him for six and a half years. Uh, I hope in the end he's, he's happy that we will deliver a fully elected school board. But I share in his disappointment that it's not immediate. All right. Uh, let's just take a moment to concentrate on the, uh, a discrepancy uh, in, in the, uh, what you just pointed out. You started listing just a few of the dozens of local groups that have supported elected school board. And I've been writing about this forever, so I know they exist. Uh, and I know this issue has been alive in the city of Chicago for a long time. I could probably count on my hand the number of people who have come out against an elected school board. Lori Lightfoot. I can't even say who wrote those editorials because they're not signed. So I'll just give one vote to the Sun-Times, one vote to the Tribune. Uh, there was some parent who said it was who wrote for the Tribune that it was giving too much power to uh, the Chicago Teachers Union. We'll get into that later. Uh, in other words, that's four. So it's all, hundreds and hundreds of people are for an elected school board. Four people are against it. And the powers that be in this town act as though this is the French Revolution and we brought out the guillotines into Daly Center. I think there's something wrong, Rob Markwick, and this is me speaking and get your thoughts on it. The way with democracy works in Chicago, where so many votes, it's like one mayoral vote is worth thousands and thousands of ordinary citizens. That's my view on things. What's your view, Rob? That's everyone who emails me says, give me a fully elected school board. In a democracy, you're supposed to deliver to the people what they want, right? And, and, and so, you know, you bring up a good point, Ben. 90% of the people who weighed in through the, uh, a, a, um, uh, a referendum said, two referendums said, we want a fully elected school board. 79% of the cranes... Chicago business readership weighed in on a poll and said specifically that they support the structure that we have for a fully elected board. And, and super majorities of both chambers, and yet a couple of very loud voices are able to say, stop this process, slow it down. And it has. It's been slowed down. This movement started more than a decade ago, and, and it's not going to be completed for another five years. So 15 years to get what people want and more importantly, what they deserve and what they're entitled to under democracy. 
And so you can understand why that makes a guy like Rod Wilson yeah. upset because he's saying, well, you wouldn't do that if it was an all white community, but if it's black and brown, well, then you can delay this, this stuff forever, you know? And, and so, you know, it, it's a legitimate point. Um, but nonetheless, you know, I, I, as much as I agree with them in principle, I think that we still passed a really good bill. I really do. All right. Uh, by the way, I must correct myself. I made an error. It's not four. It's five. I just remembered my dear friend, Pete Cunningham, Peter Cunningham, uh, who comes on the show, advocated against it. And Peter is a centrist. Uh, and he's like the one man appointed by all of moderate centrist Chicago to come on the Ben Jarofsky show and represent their point of view on any issue. Uh, I always call him yes, the lefty, the lefty whisperer because he's, he's like the one centrist who could talk to lefties. So Pete didn't mean to overlook you. You're one. That's five. So it's five to like a million. Uh, just couldn't forget Pete Cunningham. All right. So, well, what specifics uh, if we're not going to deal with the issue of public financing in the um, the bill, the cleanup, as they call it, that will have to occur before Governor Pritzker signs the legislation, what particulars, what specifics will be dealt with in this bill? from from a little village have access to serve on the school board. Well, are you going to ask someone who's working three jobs to give up one of them to volunteer on the school board? That's not right. You've got to remove financial barriers to service. Um, and, and so I, w- I was supportive of compensation for uh, board members to ensure that they had access to, to the board, to serve on the board. Um, but But it was the will of the General Assembly and despite the fact that the mayor said she wanted it in the end, she used it as a wedge to try and kill the bill. And so we committed to removing that provision and I'll live to take up that fight another day. So we will in trailer legislation, we will address that issue of compensation. We will make sure that board members will not be compensated again. Don't agree with it, but that's what we will do. Um, we will address, um, issues of the moratorium on school closings. Um, and, and again, we're, we're kind of like, it's sort of like a, a two week period where we can discuss this with the mayor, hear what she has to say. Um, but what I will tell you for sure is we're not going to make profound changes to the board. We're not going to change the size. Um, and we're not going to change the fundamental core of what this bill does. We're not going to change the timeline. Um, this is what the general assembly passed, but we will address to those small, sort of uh, oversights or scrivener's errors that we need to address. All right. Let me uh, make sure I'm understanding you correctly. Cause I think even if I'm confused, my listeners will be confused. So will the provision that you uh, change about the current bill ensure that board members get paid or ensure that they don't get paid? It will ensure that they do not get paid. So that, that matter is not mentioned at all in the current bill one way or the other, correct? All right.
so we discussed it. And then in the end, Senator John Harmon, President Harmon said, look, your bill's not going to pass. If we have it in there, we got to take it out. And I agreed to that. I said, I, I, as much as I want board members to, to not have barriers to access, or access to service, that I, I, want that, I want the elected school board. So I'll agree to take it out. It didn't get taken out. So while it doesn't expressly allow them to get paid, it doesn't prohibit them from getting paid. We're going to go ahead, despite the fact that the mayor has been all over the board on this, we're going to go ahead and we're going to agree to prohibit them from getting paid. Wow. That, that's really, uh, <laughs> just to say this, I mean, if you take it face value, the arguments, and, and by the way, I've been following the arguments against the elected school board with just this huge smile on my face because I've, the people, the, the arguments they raise are, are just so contradictory to most positions that they usually take. So let's just deal with this one. If the argument is that you want to encourage people from poor backgrounds, poor communities to give up their time to dedicate to service, then you have to pay them. You have to compensate them because they don't have enough money. They don't have discretionary income to pay the bills while they're dealing with board matters. I mean, we pay our aldermen. We we pay the, the aldermen get paid. State reps get paid. State senators get paid. Cook County Board Commissioner. I can't think of one body. And correct me, Rob, you know this stuff better than I do. I cannot think of one elected body in the city of Chicago or even – uh, in Cook County where the elected officials aren't paid. If you don't pay them, that in itself is impediment to somebody from a poor background running for office. Am I correct in this? arguments, they make no sense. Let me point out my favorite, right? There's been much made about the fact that we're going to change this board from seven members to 21 members. This is my favorite point, then. Because, on the one hand, people say, well, you can't do an elected board because an elected board, the, 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 the greatest example of where this has been a failure is the city of Los Angeles. Lori Lightfoot brings it out. Miguel Devalle brings this out. Stanford Children brings this out. You can't do an elected board. They did it in Los Angeles, and there were millions of dollars spent on it. In, in fact, Mayor Lifa brought it up today. Millions of dollars spent on every race, and, and we need to eliminate the influence of outside money over races. Well, Ben, let me tell you something. She's exactly right. Millions of dollars were spent on the, the Los Angeles school board elections. And the Koch brothers, by the way, the unions spent a lot of money. The Koch brothers spent more. They bought up every single seat. All seven seats in the Los Angeles school boards were bought by the Koch brothers. Okay. And that was something that I was well aware of when I drew up the, the, this legislation. And I said, well, I need a, I need a structure that is going to, going to change that, right? It's going to be different than what was proposed there. I don't want Los Angeles to happen. Just like Mayor Lightfoot says she doesn't want Los Angeles to happen. So what I did was I said, well, if seven members running at large causes outside money to spend millions of dollars buying these elections, then I don't want that. So people said, 
limit the influence of outside money and ensure that everyone, including that, that single mother from Inglewood, that single parent from Little Village can serve on this board, I said, then what we need to do is we need to draw the city into districts that are small enough where your community involvement matters more than your money. So we came up with 20 representative districts. So on the one hand, Lori Lightfoot and her proxies are saying, well, an election school board will be a disaster because Los Angeles was a disaster. And then they say, <laughs> 21 members, that's crazy. Los Angeles only has seven. You should do what Los Angeles did. And I'm like, wait a minute. Do you want me to fix the problem of Los Angeles or do you want me to accept the problem of Los Angeles, you know? So it's, you're right. It is a lot of, of very hypocritical contradictions. All right. And, uh, and well, before I let it go, because this is the first time I've ever come face to face with the staggering uh, contradiction embedded in the provision that board members not be paid. Uh, and by the way, just so, as a property taxpayer in Chicago and Cook County, it's not like I'm looking for new ways to spend my money. But fair is fair. If the aldermen get paid, if the mayor gets paid, the board of member, the the school board members should get paid. And part of the reason why appointed school members just do whatever the mayor tells them is because they're not getting paid. You come on, Rob. You know what a board position's like. You do it as a favor. Your boss says, "Look, the law firm could use a little publicity. Could you just sit on the board? You don't have to do anything. They tell you how to vote. You, you come on. We know how the world works." And so of course they don't get paid, but they don't do anything. They don't, you know, so you know what I'm saying, Rob Martwick? It's not like they're studying legislation. And anyway, let me, let me bring up two points to 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 to, to, <laughs> to hone in on what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Let's just say that the Chicago school board members decided, 21 of them decided to pay themselves two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year each. Twenty-one members. 250, they would be crazy. You, I can't even imagine it. That would not happen. I mean, the, my bill called for 50,000. The mayor's bill called for 40,000. Let's just say they decided on 250,000. I just did calculation, Ben. That would be 0.0006% of the budget. Let me repeat that. 0.0006% of the Chicago Public Schools budget. Okay. So even if they went crazy, it would be so insignificant as to be unrecognizable. And, it, and it, so when people bring up that argument, oh my God, they're going to pay themselves salaries. They're going to cost the taxpayer money. Seriously, you want them to pay themselves a salary. You want people who are going to be focused on this task so that they deliver you the best results that you're paying. I, I'm with you. And, and, uh, uh, but but the point I was going to make, uh, one step beyond that is, so on one hand, they're saying, don't pay. Now, the mayor started at 40000 but she flipped. Now she's against paying board members. So now you're going to take out, the, you're going to put language in here that prohibits them from paying board members. At the same time, they're already crying about the cost of an election and that it won't, it'll be prohibitive to some poor person from the West Side. You're fighting to keep from paying <laughs> the board members, which is probably more prohibitive to some poor person from the West side being on the board than the cost of the election, because that cost of the election could be underwritten by contributions. At least nobody is going to pay a person. Right. For the so I would and, and, and it, it, that that's Ben. You cannot say that you want access to parents and at the same time say, you don't want so many districts and you don't want yeah. people to get paid. 
you're denying people access. It's, it's yeah. you, you you cannot say you want them to have access and then at the same time deny them. It's it's one or the other. I'll tell you what. Now this is a matter that that always gets me laughing out loud, man. I get your thoughts on this. And this was a uh, an objection that emerged sort of late late in the game. And I, I forget who originally uh, raised it, but the edit, both editorial boards picked up on it. I've heard the mayor pick up on it. Uh, and that is this, that a portion of the school board's money, follow me this on this, listeners, because it gets in about your taxes. A portion of the school board's bills are paid by money that the city of Chicago kicks back to the Board of Education. And the mayor has argued supported by both editorial boards, the city of Chicago, I'd like to point that out one more time, by the civic community of the city of Chicago, by many of our finest, smartest corporate leaders from the city of Chicago. They've argued that this could cause tremendous financial problems for the Board of Education if the city of Chicago is no longer free to continue to spend money on the board. I'd like to point out that that money came from the board in the first place. It's TIF money. It's your property tax dollars, which are diverted from the Board of Education to the city of Chicago in the first place. And now the mayor and her cronies at the Sun-Times and corporate Chicago are going, well, if we can't give back the money we stole from the board in the first place, how are they going to pay their bills? I got news for you. Don't steal the money from them. Then you don't have to worry about it. I'm sorry, Rob. They ben, never... I am, I am left my ass off because I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. But I'm laughing my behind off because you're <laughs> absolutely right. Um, so this is one of the biggest red hearings in the elected school board debate. And in six and a half years, it did not make its way until about a month ago, which is like, oh, my God, if we have an elected school board, the city will just magically stop contributing money to the Chicago public schools. Well, number one, you make a good point. <laughs> They're stealing the money from them. Number two... Number two, um, I'm sorry, Mayor, but I'm a legislator and I deal with laws. Last I checked my reading of the laws, you are legally obligated to pay back the pension debt that your city, not her, to be fair, wasn't her. It was Mayor Rich and Mayor Rahm, but that you're, you created this massive pension debt. You've got to pay it back. And... And you're legally obligated. You can't just suddenly decide, well, I'm going to stop giving money to the schools. No, this is a debt that you created. And so, look, Ben, I don't want to diminish this. The financial entanglements, because the city has never had an elected school board, they're serious. They do need to be attended to. But the mayor completely overblew that and tried to make it this leverage where, well, if you pass an elected school board, we'll just stop paying the pension payment. It's like, no, you won't. Actually, there's one person in the General Assembly who knows more about pensions than everybody else. And I can affirmatively say that you will not stop paying the pensions. I, I could tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, and I hope Mar Rob Markwick doesn't get insulted, but I want to say this guy is such a pension geek. <laughs> it's unbelievable. You want to know pension stuff? There's two guys. You could call Jeff Johnson or you could call Rob Markwick. And they'll go on and on with the intricacies. I'll tell you the code number. No, I, I read that. I, I, I yeah. started reading that. I'm like, who cooked this one up? And, you know, you, you know, because here's the thing. It's like, 
the whole concept of robbing from Peter to pay Paul is something that all good government folks are supposed to be against, Rob Martwick. All civic groups, all corporate types, all, you know, just like all the, the liberals along the lakefront, we're supposed to be against that. Isn't that what transparency and budgeting is all about? And now they're arguing because we can't take from Peter to pay Paul, this is a very dangerous moment. So let me, let me, let me just tell you a little story about robbing Peter to pay Paul. Okay. So I'm in the Senate Executive Committee hearing on this bill. And Senator Matty Hunter, who is a longtime supporter of this bill, says to me, well, Senator Martwick, are you worried about these financial issues? And I said, well, I'm concerned, but I'm not worried. And she said, well, who's going to pay this money? Is it going to be the city or is it going to be the schools? Who's going to pay this money? And I said, well, Senator Hunter, I can tell you exactly who's going to pay this money. And she said, you can? And I said, sure. And she said, well, who is it? I said, well, it's not going to be the city. She said, it's going to be the schools. And I said, no, it's not going to be the schools. She said, well, who is it going to be? And I said, well, Senator Hunter, it's going to be you. You're going to pay this money back. This is a debt that is going to be settled by the taxpayers of the city of Chicago. Does it really matter if it's paid through the Chicago public schools or the municipal structure of the city of Chicago? No. I have to pay the bill. Ben, you have to pay the bill. Senator Hunter has to pay the bill. And every taxpayer in the city of Chicago has to pay the bill. It is a red, it is the reddest of red herrings I've ever seen in my life. That bill is going to get paid. And it's not going to get paid by Mayor Lori Lightfoot. And it's not going to get paid by the poor school children in the city of Chicago. It's going to get paid by the taxpayers. So the only thing is, is that we have to figure out what's the best way to repay that debt that was created by Mayor Rich and Mayor Rahm. Yeah, uh, that was well done. Yes, ultimately it is you, the taxpayers, and uh, that that by the way reminds me of a conversation I had years ago, and I'm going to go into Geeksville to, to recollect it. At one point, uh, one of Mayor Daly's budget guys got so intrigued by all the TIFF stories I was writing, he asked to meet with me because he goes, "I can't believe there's a guy in this city <laughs> who's taking the time to study this." So I just want to meet this weird person. So we we arranged an off the record meeting. And he said to me, he goes, you know, Ben, the schools get their levy with the TIFs. The Cook County Board gets its levy with the TIFs. The only person getting screwed by the TIFs are the taxpayers. You know, and I'm like, well, that's what they tell you off the record, Rob Martin. You know what I'm saying? I've never heard that line used at a uh, any meeting, public meeting. That's exactly uh, but right. But that is reality. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and ben, the reality is, yeah, the reality of it is, is that the taxpayer has a threshold for how much they'll get screwed. So ultimately, when you say that we're just going to push it all on the taxpayer, then you don't have the money to solve your problems. Right. They, they, they could if they were open and transparent about this process, then then solving the problems would be a lot easier than this. Yeah. Well, they clearly they were essentially arguing against transparency when they cooked up that level, right. uh, robbing from Peter to play Paul, uh, and it, obviously it didn't work. Um, all right, so before we close down uh, the discussion of elected school board and move on to something else, I want to ask you uh, what what's your prediction as to when eventually the language gets cleaned up and uh, the bill gets signed into law by Governor Pritzker? Two to four weeks max. So Delia Ramirez, who's the House sponsor, in order to prevent another member from messing with her bill, filed what was called a motion to reconsider. It's a procedural 
it just gives her control of what happens with the bill post passage. And so she said, two weeks, I'm lifting that motion to reconsider and send the bill to the governor's desk. So it's up to the mayor to reach out and maybe for the first time engage in good faith in negotiations about issues she might have with the bill. We're not going to change the bill, but we will address legitimate concerns about the bill. We're not going to preserve her power. We're not going to preserve her control. We're not going to extend the deadline. But if there are real concerns, uh, you know, as much as I don't think that she's dealt in good faith, um, I, I think she can. And I, 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 I always believe that there's hope for the future. And, and so, you know, we're going to sit down. We're going to be I've always been open minded. I've taken every call I've received from her. We're going to sit down. We're going to continue to work with her and we're going to fine tune this bill so it does the best thing for the, the students of the city of Chicago and, and the residents of the city of Chicago. All right. Before we uh, allow you to go back to your day, I want to ask you uh, your thoughts on Chris Welch's first uh, session, uh, full session as speaker. For years and years and years and years, Michael Joseph Madigan was the Speaker of the House, and uh, Rob Martwick could write a book about Michael Madigan because uh, Rob was a uh, House uh, member of the House before he was a state senator. And so now, uh, from I know you're not in the House, but you you watch it closely. Uh, your thoughts on Representatives Welch and the difference between Welch and Madigan? Well, um, the differences are really clear. Welch has a cell phone an Instagram account, a Facebook, a Twitter, uh, an email. Um, so he has all those things that Madigan never had, right? Um, and I know that sounds crazy, but that's how maniacal that Madigan was in terms of control of, of, of what was going on, access to him and all that. So Chris has been very accessible. He's been very open and very transparent. Um, he, he's never refused a meeting. Um, and, and forgive me if I'm effusive, but Chris and I are classmates. We got sworn in on the same day, and we have been uh, brothers in many of the legislative initiatives. And I mean, chief co's fighting on the same issues, chief co-sponsors fighting for the same causes. So when Chris Welch was sworn in as the Speaker of the House, I, I can't even tell you. I, I can't possibly describe the pride I had at seeing my classmate achieve that the first black speaker of the Illinois House of Representatives, breaking glass ceilings, but knowing the good guy that he was. Um, now, listen, Mike Madigan being the longest serving speaker of the House of any legislature in the entire country, that's big shoes to fill. But I got to tell you, I can't imagine anybody doing a better job of it than Chris. That doesn't mean he hasn't had his speed bumps along the way, Ben, but my gosh, he's done a fantastic job. We convened on time. We passed a budget and a great budget that really is a moral document that funds the priorities that we care about, that funds, that takes care of people in such a sensitive time during this pandemic. It cares, that it takes care of the things that are, are so important to the people of Illinois. It protects those taxpayers and gives them back something for their hard-earned tax dollars. So I, I'm so proud of the job that he's done. That doesn't mean he hasn't had his hiccups. Without a doubt, he has. But, uh, but boy, I can't imagine, and I mean this sincerely, I can't imagine a more seamless transition in terms of the way government ran than Chris Walsh taking over someone who had mastery of the process like Madigan did. Well, I, I, uh, I hear everything you say. Uh, out a couple points. I'm not sure we would have an elected school board bill uh, if Michael Joseph Madigan was still the speaker. Uh, 
I just somehow or other <laughs> got a feeling it would be lost in translation somewhere along the way. Oh, maybe next year. Uh, I was. And, and Ben, let, let me just say this. When you, when you're doing that, you're absolutely right. I, I, I tweeted that today. Um, let, let's give credit where credit is due. Chris Welch and Mike and, and, and Don Harmon took over after long serving leaders entrenched leaders and they took over during and right before and during the pandemic. That is profound in, 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 in an institution like the Illinois general assembly, which is you talk about herding cats, right? And yet they were able to deliver their agendas for the most part, not perfect, but when has it ever been perfect? But let's talk about this issue that you and I have been talking about elected school board. This has been killed successively by either Madigan or Cullerton for a decade, Chris Welch and Don Harmon delivered an elected school board of the city of Chicago, and they deserve their credit for that. All right. And then, uh, fair enough, and I'll close with this one point. I have never believed that Michael Joseph Madigan did not have a cell phone. What I believe is that he did not give the phone number out to people. Because I've heard so many stories from so many people about getting late night phone calls from Tim Mapes or Marty Quinn, who were the uh, political uh, side sidekicks to Michael Madigan. Somehow or other, Mapes and Quinn would be calling people like 11. Hey, the speaker needs to see you tomorrow at his office. Get there at 8 in the morning or some ungodly hour. That only Madigan would like thrive off of. Yeah, And I just want him like... Well, how did Mapes get the phone call? How, how come Mapes and Marty Quinn got the phone call? I, I just think Michael Joseph Madigan had a cell phone. He just didn't give you the number, Rob. That's that's my belief. I have no proof one way or the other. Yeah, Ben. But I gotta, I I've heard so you, many of these stories. Yeah, I, I received five calls the night before the pension reform bill in 2013. Five calls from Michael Joseph Madigan. And he said, you have to vote for this bill to diminish pension benefits for employees who paid into it. And I said, absolutely not. I'm not going to do it. And the last call I received was at 2 a.m. in the morning. So I don't know if it was his cell phone or somebody else's. It was always a blocked number. But, yeah, he, he knew I'd get a hold of me, that's for sure. <laughs> he, he had a cell phone. That You know what? He put out those two things. Madigan, I know you're listening to this. So I'm going to tell you, you put out those two legends about you. One, you didn't have a cell phone. Two, you ate apples for lunch. I have a feeling you were eating a steak dinner for lunch. Big old steak dinner. You just put that out there. Yeah. Just teasing with you, Michael Madigan. All right, Rob. Uh, it's a pleasure talking to you. And I didn't even get a chance to ask you about the Bears and Arlington Heights, but we'll save that for another show, all right? Ben, I can't wait to see you on Tuesday in person at the hideout. Dude, I am so excited to be back in person with Ben Jarofsky, talking politics, talking to school board. I can't wait to be with my brother, Rod Wilson, even though he's mad at me, and my sister, Delia Ramirez, who is an amazing, amazing legislator and a leader. My God, Ben, I'm an old man, but I'll tell you, these young kids, they're leaders. They've come into their own. They are not the future, dude. They are the present, and it is so exciting to be a part of this, man. It's going to be great. And uh, no matter how old you feel, you're still younger than me. Uh, <laughs> even with that, uh, the, the, the you look like a hippie now with the long uh, hair. And the beard. That's what Madigan would say to you. <laughs> Mark, we can look like a hippie, man. Clean it up. 
all right, that's uh, Senator Rob Martwick. Thank you very much, Rob, for stopping by. And we'll see you again July 6th at the hideout. Get your tickets, folks. It's a, not only it'll be great, stimulating political conversation from Martwick, Ramirez, and Wilson, but you'll be helping support a great institution, the hideout, uh, which has been shuttered for over a year because of the pandemic. Let's get live music back. Uh, there's a concert afterwards. Uh, so it's uh, we're the opening act, uh, Rob. I don't know if you know that, but there's a rock concert afterwards. So yeah. looking forward to that. The great Rob Martwick. Thank you very much. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.